Welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast, a product of Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture. I'm Jackson Stancil. And I'm Samantha Teton. And we come to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews and panels with experts, producers, and innovators from all sectors of digital technology, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Happy New Year. So last day of 2020, we all made it. Welcome back to the Farm Bits podcast for a recap of what happened in 2020. This episode is titled Hindsight is 2020 because, well, 2020 is now in the hindsights, right? And yes, we're very excited for this episode about what's all happened this past year. It's going to be great to flip the script on 2020 and move into 2021 tomorrow. Um I'm pretty pumped. Tomorrow's actually my birthday. So uh, I'm a New Year's baby. Uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but we have a lot to cover today. There was a lot that happened in 2020. Uh, probably most notably was COVID-19. Yeah, I'm sure you have all heard more than you ever care to hear about uh, COVID-19. So we won't go into that too much, but we really want to talk about how it affected digital agriculture. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the purpose of this whole episode is to recap 2020 specifically for what happened in digital agriculture this year. Uh, we hope to recap a few of our episodes uh, in the process of doing that. Um, and so for major events that happened in 2020 that may have had an impact on digital agriculture this year and potentially in 2021 as well. Uh, obviously, we've already talked about COVID-19 a little bit. We also had an election year this year. Uh, and I know some people kind of have different thoughts on exactly how that's going to impact agriculture, but it, it certainly is going to be something new for us in 2021. Absolutely. As different people move into office and you think about all the trade and how much that influenced farmers this year, it's definitely something to keep our eye out on. Um, we also had lots of weather events. Uh, the derecho that swept through Iowa and some other states had a huge influence on the crop year as well. We did. We had a few uh, hurricanes that also came in mm -hmm. uh, in the southeastern part of the country. I think North Carolina was affected by uh, hurricanes pretty badly. And obviously, Louisiana had uh, had a lot of effects of hurricanes um, in that area. You know, there's there's rice production, some crawfish production, stuff like that. And so I'm sure those farmers were were impacted by those those natural disasters there as well. Yeah. And while we're on that, there's also all the fires out west. There were many farmers that were influenced by that as well. So with any of these natural disasters, our heart goes out to any families that were affected. And what then it's interesting to us to see what that does to the market. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't long ago that that here in Nebraska, we had some pretty significant natural disasters, particularly that flooding um, in the spring of, of 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Nebraskans know exactly how hard it is to, to come back from those type of disasters. Um, and so, yeah, our hearts definitely go out to everybody who's dealing with that this year. Um, and just kind of diving into COVID-19 a little bit, Sam, there were a few supply chain and, and uh, animal product uh, issues out there this spring, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was interesting for everyone to see I don't know if fragile is the right word, but how easily influenced uh, our supply chain is. So you think about how, you know, the price of beef skyrocketed, but maybe farmers didn't see that uh, return to their pockets. And uh, some other animal products, the milk uh, industry, the dairy industry was highly influenced. And so seeing how those supply chain uh, problems all occurred in COVID, uh, I think was interesting as schools were shutting down, some of the restaurants were shutting down and what that did for us. 
Yeah, there was there was so much going on. I mean, people people really didn't know how to respond, you know, when this first started happening. And um, it's something that really none of us have ever experienced before. It's a, you know, kind of a once in a generation, once in every two or three generations type thing. Um, so that's that's been really interesting. And I guess another thing that we found that I, I guess I hadn't heard prior to doing some research on what happened in 2020 is that uh, in April, Poet, which is the world's largest ethanol producer, they actually idled several of their Midwest locations and farmers lost a home for 110 million bushels of corn. Uh, so that's a pretty substantial impact on farmers who had, uh, you know, contracts or were trying to, to offload some corn in the spring of last year. Yeah, you think about how many fewer people were on the road, it seems like something like that would happen where you wouldn't have the demand for ethanol. And then it was interesting to see those numbers for sure. Um, but on a positive side, we also saw that China made one of their largest purchases of U.S. corn. So that was a historic event for trade and was awesome for our corn uh, farmers. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a year of uh, volatility in terms of corn prices. I mean, you know, as, as I was driving around this summer listening to uh, rural radio, you know, obviously you're getting your, your corn price updates uh, pretty much on the hour. And, you know, there were certain points during the summer where corn prices were really, really low. Um, but it was a kind of amazing to see the resurgence that they made uh, through August and into September and October of this year, uh, which was really exciting to see for, for people who had corn crops this year so yeah and I think uh the final thing that we wanted to bring up just for uh kind of some newsworthy events was all the dicamba regulations and so as I think that's probably on a lot of people's mind right now maybe as you're picking out your hybrids or your varieties or things that you're your seed for next year but there's a lot of new traits and what uh herbicide technologies will be available next year is uh, something that was on the news a lot yeah, that's something we'll all be keeping our eyes on as we're heading into into 2021 and seeing if anything anything new happens on that front as well. Mm -hmm. um, so as we were preparing for you know this recap episode, we kind of looked at some different websites out there um, for different articles about kind of what happened in 2020 and how that might uh, influence digital ag right now. And so one article we came across uh, presented five different factors that influence uh, global precision ag adoption right now, today, in 2020. Um, and just to start with, one of the factors that they identified was rural internet connectivity. Um, and I think we all kind of know with how much time many of us have spent on Zoom this year, <laughs> we know exactly how important connectivity can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another one was uh, how market forces are leading consolidation, uh, both at farm level, but also at company level. So we're going to talk about a lot of those consolidations that we saw this year. Yeah, and and like we've already talked about a few times, there were a lot of uh, natural disasters this year, uh, climate-related events. Um, and so another factor that, that this article identified was climate change's effects becoming more pronounced as we move into uh, 2021. And obviously we saw a lot of those, those impacts here in 2020. And so we'll discuss a little bit uh, of, of climate change's effects in, in kind of a, uh, an indirect way on the farm industry through uh, carbon trading uh, later in the episode as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another one uh, was the big players of other industries and they're getting their feet wet in agriculture. So we'll talk about a few of those. We had the pleasure of hearing about Microsoft's farm beats, which I think is one that we're keeping our eye on. So it's cool to see these other companies. I know some, they're talking about some pharmaceuticals or some other tech companies and what they're looking into in ag. 
Yeah, I, I even saw that Airbus, you know, is a, they're basically a, a jetliner producing company. They're starting to move into the analytics space through some of their satellite constellations they have out there, which is pretty cool as well. Um, there's also increasing digitization with COVID-19. That was the fifth factor that this article identified. <laughs> I think we've all seen an increase in uh, digitization and, and, you know, uh, computer applications with COVID-19. Um, and I think we're just kind of hoping to see that continue and really translate on farm uh, with some actual practical digital applications for farm data. Yeah. So with those uh, kind of trends in mind or things that we're looking forward to, we'll actually dive into some news events that happened in 2020. Uh, so let's begin with one that actually really influenced our research. Uh, some of you may know, but Teravion, which is an imagery provider, um, they used small planes and they took imagery and then they uploaded it to a website in a very easy to use way. They actually had to close and they filed for chapter 11 uh, bankruptcy earlier this year. Yeah, that was really interesting to see because there were some headlines of them making, you know, new partnerships, even leading up to when they filed for bankruptcy. So it'll be interesting to see where, you know, Terry Vion goes or, you know, how that company gets broken up and some of their practices may get adopted by other companies. We'll see. Um, yeah. And it's interesting, like how many people had invested in this company and how strong they seemed. They like they had made a lot of headlines before of what, how innovative they were, but it kind of also showed that not all companies are safe <laughs> in the tech right. world. Right. And, and, you know, they had a great software, you know, nice, nice user interface. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who picks up the business model and, and adapts it to maybe something that's more uh, effective or, or I guess more sustainable long-term. Um, another trend that we saw this year in, in the industry space uh, is kind of an expansion in irrigation technology. So CropX made several moves uh, this year. Uh, they acquired a New Zealand company, Regen. Uh, they partnered with Rinky to provide some more irrigation analytics. Uh, they're hoping to build those out. Uh, they also acquired a Nebraska company, uh, CropMetrics. Uh, and some of you may have remembered uh, Dr. Trenton Franz discussing CropMetrics a little bit in his episode uh, from Measurements to Maps. Um, and so they're doing a lot of, of cool stuff with uh, soil moisture sensors, uh, as well as providing like variable rate irrigation prescriptions and scheduling. Uh, we even saw Netafim uh, integrate Fluorosat's remote sensing technology uh, into an irrigation management platform and Valley Irrigation acquired Precision King, which is kind of a, um, an IOT type company that, that automates pump operation for uh, flood irrigation settings. So a lot of movement on the irrigation front. Absolutely. And so another acquisition, looking more at the automation side, Raven purchased Dot. And if you have not heard of Dot before, they are really cutting edge in automation when it comes to like autonomous tractors and things like that. And they have some really cool videos online. And so Raven acquired them. And if you kind of think back to our episode with John Evans about harvest um, automation, you may want to go back and check that out and think about some challenges in automation. And it's interesting to see that Raven's moving more into that space. Yeah, that's that's going to be really cool to see. I, I, you know, Raven's a big company. I'm sure they'll they'll be able to um, scale up a lot of what Dot has already made progress on, which is going to be great to see. Uh, we also saw that John Deere acquired Harvest Profit, uh, which is a company out of North Dakota that's working on essentially profitability maps and looking at farm profitability. 
Um, and so this, this may kind of remind you of our episode with Terry Griffin, uh, where we brought him on to kind of talk about profitability mapping and, and, and seeing farm profit as maybe more of a goal to have than yield, uh, and, and maximizing yield. Um, so I highly encourage you if you haven't listened to it, to go back and listen to our episode with Terry Griffin. Um, yeah, it's cool of, to, I would say it's cool to see John Deere's interested in it as well. You know, they are seeing the value in that profit mapping. Yeah, it, John Deere is definitely making a little bit of an investment here in the analytics space, which is which is very cool to see. Mm-hmm. Another acquisition, uh, which seems a little bit random, but DTN, which is the same, they write Progressive Farmer magazine, or they may provide you a lot of the information or news that you have. They uh, acquired a company, Clear Egg, and that was supposed to provide more information to them. And um, if you want to, it's kind of an interesting article, but they I think they specialize in some marketing and uh, weather information. And so it's supposed to provide that information to DTN that they didn't have before. Yeah, it'll be cool to see how they use it. I, I really have no idea how exactly they're going to use that, but I'll be very interested to see exactly how that gets incorporated into what DTN is offering. Mm-hmm. Um, on the investment front, uh, we saw that BASF has made some moves to really invest in their their digital farming platforms. So they invested in a startup uh, smart AHC, which is a Chinese company. Uh, and I believe they also really made some moves with their Zarvio platform here in North America this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then FMC also, they did some investment in emerging ag technologies as well. And one thing that we had been talking about before was, you know, these are big chemical manufacturers, they're big companies, and it's exciting for us to see them move into the precision ag space. You see that so much with um, Corteva and Bayer and um, Syngenta, and now we're seeing the other ones follow along as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, going back to BASF, it sounds like, you know, their platform has been uh, more popular in Europe uh, you know, prior to coming to North America, but uh, it is interesting to see some of those technologies, you know, moving over here and uh, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what the adoption rates are. I don't know when we're going to find out about that, but it'll be exciting. And there's a lot of options now for farmers to pick from, which I know can make that a lot harder. Um, instead of just trying to decide on one, you have a lot of options now. So one other investment that we saw happen in 2020 was that Indigo announced an additional $360 million in financing um, and even got a new board of directors. So Indigo is a really interesting company that has kind of emerged here in recent years. Um, They kind of do a little bit of everything, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, Some precision ag services, um, biologicals, carbon trading. So yes, it's really interesting to see them getting so much investment right now. Yeah, I think they're they're a company that I don't know many people that work with yet, but it'll be definitely interesting to see how they grow and it's a company to keep your eye on for sure. Yeah, we'll talk about Indigo a little bit more um, in just a few minutes, but uh, kind of the next theme that we want to discuss was collaboration. So collaboration is, I think, growing in a lot of different sectors, um, but specifically in ag, it's a really important thing because ag is such a interdisciplinary um, kind of domain, right? Like you have to have agronomy, you have to have engineering, uh, there's, there are business aspects. So um, having that collaboration is pretty critical. Yeah. And the two that we met, uh, had written down here, there's probably several of them, but some that are noteworthy. One is Yara and IBM are collaborating on field data. 
And the other one is Kubota forms an alliance with Microsoft. And, you know, we had talked about FarmBeats before as Microsoft's platform. And that platform is the idea is just to connect other softwares um, with the Internet of Things idea. So it's interesting to see those big companies get involved. Yeah. And Kubota aligning with Microsoft is super interesting because I mean, Kubota is, has not been a traditional, you know, tractor manufacturer or ag equipment manufacturer, uh, but they've really made some strides here in recent years. Um, and, and to keep pushing in this digital transformation space, potentially even looking at IOT, that's going to be really interesting to see how that, how that works for Kubota um, and, and where that puts them in relation to some of the other major players and ag machinery. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also thinking about collaboration, uh, we had a lot of companies are working to create these APIs with other companies. So I'm going to let Jackson explain that (laughs) a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, an API is essentially an application programming interface. uh, And for some of you, you may know what an API is, uh, but for many of our listeners, you probably heard of an API uh, a lot in the news, uh, but may not know exactly what it is. Um, and so essentially what an, what an API is, is it is uh, kind of a structure in which data is able to be shared between uh, two different programs. Um, and so one program will, for example, post uh, data um, and another program will get that data uh, from kind of a common server that they're, they're sharing data through. And this is something that's become really popular uh, with, for example, some of John Deere Operation Center's um, different applications that they offer for prescription generation, such as Agrian. Um, and another one that, that we kind of saw this year uh, with one of our former guests here on the podcast, Corey Wilness, uh, his company, Croptimistic Technologies, actually just launched an API with um, Climate Field View, uh, which is going to allow swap maps to be used within Climate Field View's uh, analytics platform, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. And I think another reason why this is so exciting is it takes out that manual data entry, right? So it's going straight from one company where they collected it to another company. And, you know, we talked about that with Mike Manning, where he's talked about how, you know, maybe the most input or the most common fertilizer is just nitrogen. They're not putting the yep. actual kind in there. <laughs> and the idea with API is that it could help with some of that. Absolutely. And, and it also takes out kind of the the whole uh, pulling something out of a USB. So if you have as applied data or if you have something like that, if you have yield data and you want to build management zones with it, you know, you don't have to pull out the USB, stick it into another program that you have downloaded. You know, you can kind of do it all uh, online, which just makes things a lot smoother for mm-hmm. people who are trying to use that technology. Yeah. And so, like I said, that's becoming a more of a trend. And so some other companies, Bushel, who we're actually going to have on uh, in a few episodes, Bushel and Granular are connecting. Uh, we're seeing Sintera and Anheuser-Busch partner and uh, Data Connect with, I believe, John Deere. Yep. Those are all good to see. Yeah, it's good to see those getting getting built. And um, you know, this isn't quite to the, the whole colorblind uh, ideal that we're trying to get to where data is essentially standardized and interoperable across a bunch of different platforms, but it is moving in that direction where people are now willing to share their data, get it into a format that other programs can understand uh, and make it accessible to other programs that are benefiting, you know, farmers or anybody else involved in the ag space um, in a very particular way. So it's good to see. Absolutely. Uh, and now talking about some new technologies that, you know, 
didn't get released in 2020, but maybe are some things that you should be looking for in the future. Uh, one of the first one is Field Micro. And so they are leading in farming automation and uh, control and moder- monitoring systems. And they also partnered with John Deere. John Deere making a lot of moves this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there were also six different startups that were named winners of the 2020 Row Crop Challenge. And we just want to kind of highlight three of our favorites that we found on this list. Um, one of them is Global Neighbors Weed Seed Destroyer. So Sam, will you tell us a little bit about the Weed Seed Destroyer? Yes, the idea is that it's put on the back of a combine and it's shining a light that is actually able to make the seeds, weed seeds non-viable. And so that way it's reducing your seed bank for the coming year and could reduce your herbicide inputs. So that's a really exciting technology. We're seeing some things that are similar in other countries, uh, but hopefully this can actually be a, a great option. Yeah, that's a totally different way of treating weeds than what we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other ones we thought was really cool is Index Biosystems Designs Genetic Traceability. So basically their product is called a DUID. And so if anybody who's heard of like RFID, like radio frequency identification, um, it's kind of the same sort of concept. Uh, it's also very similar to blockchain where they have essentially genetically barcoded uh, a yeast product that can be mixed in and used as a biological label for different like grain products that are going out there. And so for um, when you think about, about like E. coli, for example, or any of these other um, things that may need to be recalled, uh, having traceability is really important for minimizing the impact on the supply chain. Uh, and so that's essentially what they're trying to get at here with this DUID product is having something that is traceable that can be, you know, directly uh, traced back to the farm that it came from and every single step that it took in the process to get to a consumer, which is, I don't know, I think it's pretty exciting. And it's, it's a way of not, it's, it's a way of using technology, but not like digital technology <laughs> to get at this whole traceability space. So. Absolutely. And it's, makes it easier for the people in the supply chain. You're not constantly making labels. Um, and then the other one that we thought was really cool, uh, it's called the Spornado system. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yep, Spornado. Uh, okay. <laughs> and it's an air sampler. So it's something that you'd put out in your field and it's collecting air samples and it's then testing them and doing like some DNA analysis. And the idea is that it's going to alert farmers when there are spores for diseases in the air. And this is just revolutionary in the fact that typically we don't see diseases until they've hit the crop and you're already seeing the damage. But if you could see them in the air uh, and know that it's coming and know if whether a fungicide's a valuable investment, I think that's really cool. And I hope it does uh, really get developed and we start to see adoption in that. Yeah, it's amazing. You're not having to wait for the plant to show any signs for it to be infected at all. I mean, even mm-hmm. if it's not, not, visible to the naked eye. I mean, it's not even there. And that's, that's a pretty cool uh, approach, I think, to handling disease out there in, in, in fields. Um, so just some final trends that we wanted to talk about that we saw in 2020. Carbon trading markets are getting more and more popular. Uh, and this whole idea of, of getting value out of the carbon sequestration uh, that we are doing in ag, especially people who are moving to some of these regenerative uh, aspects. And this kind of reminds me of something that Angela Knuth talked about in our Mm -hmm. uh, farmer focus episode. Absolutely. It's like, you know, everyone's striving to be uh, carbon neutral or carbon negative, but what if we can trade with somebody to make our whole ecosystem, our whole like neighborhood eco, um, you know, carbon neutral. So this trading idea and yeah, Car- uh, Angela did talk about some companies that are already doing this and how they're looking to partner with them. 
Yeah. So you have companies like Nori uh, that is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of working in the space. Indigo is starting to get into the space. Um, and there are actually several companies, uh, including Boston Consulting Group, uh, Dogfish Head, uh, Craft Brewing, um, and several other companies that have already committed to purchase uh, agricultural, agricultural carbon credits through Indigo's carbon trading marketplace, uh, which is really interesting to see. And I, I guess this kind of um, is indicative of potential for really increased regulations and greenhouse gas emissions, you know, especially as we're heading into a new administration, what is that going to bring? Um, I think these carbon trading markets could be a really, really big value for agriculture, especially with people who really are focusing on, on, you know, doing agriculture sustainably, you may be able to really increase your farm income that way. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is just that, you know, you think about the regulation side and how that can sometimes be a hindrance, but what if there's a company that's actually going to pay you and it's a new revenue stream? Uh, so keep your eye on that. Yeah. And, and this carbon trading is a really unique, you know, basically market-based approach to how can we handle some of these environmental regulations? Because at the end of the day, companies have to get down to these, you know, these uh, set points or, or limits, I guess, that they can't go over. And the only way to offset any any overages that they have is to to buy them from somewhere else. So, I don't know. It, it'll be really exciting for ag. Um, another trend besides the carbon trading markets uh, that we noticed was transparency, uh, particularly data transparency uh, for growers out there. Yeah. So two kind of noteworthy events. One was that Dole, so one of the largest food and, fruit and vegetable uh, company in the United States. They are going to implement blockchain supply chain tracking by 2025. And so um, that's exciting to see that they're making a commitment to that and the traceability aspect. And then the other one that I'm sure many of you have heard about was uh, Climate Core and their tillable agreement. And not to get into that too much, but I think it's very interesting to think about how these companies are sharing farmers' data and the lessons to be learned by that. So another thing that we talked a lot about in that farmer focus episode was how to keep your data local and how that's a really big priority to some people, but yet data sharing has its benefits as well. And so prioritizing that and looking into these cases um, or you know what happened this year in 2020, uh, I think is definitely worth learning more about data sharing and how valuable your data is. And the the value piece is, is absolutely critical, right? Because we heard Mike Manning say uh, that, that agricultural data is only as valuable, only as worth as much uh, as the value that it creates for the individual farmer that, that came from. Well, it can hurt you too. It can devalue mm-hmm. uh, what a farmer's doing in some ways, right? Through that tillable agreement, that's what a lot of people were worried about was uh, really getting hurt by that data being shared. Um, and we even think about that in terms of crop insurance. You know, you don't some some data you may not want uh, out there for crop insurance purposes uh, and stuff like that. So there are a lot of a, a lot of things that we need to be wary about when we're thinking about data uh, and I, I do think that we need to keep in mind that data can be valuable in a lot of other ways than just making economic decisions um, or marketing decisions all right we were really excited like we said about all these api partnerships but i think it also is a reminder to be sure you're asking questions and thinking about what companies do have access to what you're sharing yes Yes. You, it, thinking about your data is critical. You need to, people need to understand how it's getting, 
where it's going and also where it is ending up, um, you know, once it's out there. So one of the last trends we had was the size of farms and companies uh, are growing, it seems like, as has been shown by the number of acquisitions. Is that what you would say, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we saw a, there's a lot of startups, tech startups that get started and then a big company comes and buys them out. And so I think the size of companies and the size of farms just continues to grow, which is a trend we've seen uh, over the past few decades. Yeah. And that's, it'll be interesting to see how that keeps going. Um, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of benefits to that. Um, and really probably the people that are going to benefit the most are going to be the people who are adapting and, you know, trying to find ways to use technology uh, in their operations and kind of moving with the trends. Absolutely. And you think about not all, not all companies and not all farmers have to get big. They just have to be unique then and find niche markets, find things such as maybe carbon uh, trading and things like that. So getting creative. Keep Mm -hmm. yourself profitable. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So one last thing we wanted to cover, just getting back to COVID-19, which has kind of affected us all. And it seems like it's become uh, (laughs) COVID-20. And yes, I know that's not how these things get named. (laughs) It seems like it's been uh, COVID all of 2020. So um, we kind of want to discuss how this pandemic might affect business, agribusiness in in particular, and agriculture at the farm level. Um, And I guess one thing that I think we've already seen is a drive toward more remote uh, work ideas and, and remote technologies. So interacting with machinery remo- remotely, um, but also potentially interacting with, uh, some of your agronomists remotely or some of your salespeople remotely, right, Sam? Absolutely. Uh, so, well, first off we thought about for like for us too, we didn't get to go to all the farm shows or, uh, we had a lot of our field days that were all virtual and, we found ways to continue to connect to people despite the fact that we couldn't be there in person, even though we wanted to be there in person, but it shows that there can be creative ways to do that moving forward. And it may even create more value for farmers out there who are trying to benefit from university extension programs. You know, Mm -hmm. it used to be that you could only really have one day to show up and see that presentation at, at, at the field day there at your local, uh, you know, research farm. But now with video technology and, and some of these, you know, recorded webinars, those are more at your fingertips than ever before. And so some of that, that knowledge um, and information is more accessible now uh, just because the pandemic has put an emphasis on, on having that information out there. And if you do it digitally the first time, then it can be available digitally going forward. Absolutely. And then you also mentioned the um, not being able to see your agronomist in person per se. So, um, you know, I worked uh, some internships in sales. And one thing that was always drilled into me was you need to be in front of the customer. And the more times you see them, the more times you learn about the company, you learn about the new technologies and things like that. And that was kind of taken away in 2020. You know, there was a lot of times that co-ops or retailers, they shut their door and people couldn't come in. They couldn't give their sales pitch. And so um, I think that's really interesting of what that did for the sales season. I'd love to see some analytics or some numbers on what that did. But I just think about how hard it would be to be a startup in 2020. And you can't even get your foot in the door to uh, make that relationship or explain your product. And so I hope that they're able to keep on going and survive that. Yeah. And, you know, for companies that are growing, maybe already had a little bit of a foundation, um, maybe the pandemic's going to expose them to broader markets, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we think about how much online shopping that Sam has been doing to get ready for, <laughs> for Christmas. Yep. <laughs> Not just Sam, me too. But, uh, <laughs> 
you know, it, it's kind of the same same concept in ag right now. If we think about the direct to consumer marketplace that is growing quite a bit, um, you know, how much for for those high value producers out there, maybe for pe- people who are doing livestock, you know, how much more can you get into this direct to consumer um, trend now with more online shopping that people are trying to do? Maybe they're trying to avoid the grocery store in its entirety, and and you're a little bit more valuable now to them. So that that's going to be kind of an exciting thing to see. Absolutely. There's also a Precision Ag Tech Hub that I heard about on PrecisionAg.com, which I want to look more into. Um, it seems like it could be a a good place to be right now for some of these startup people as well as it, I guess it's kind of a marketplace, right, for farmers to go and kind of browse these different uh, ag tech options that are available to them. So that's kind of a, a new way if you're if they're not able to get in the door, right, and do um, sales at least now there's a, a hub that people can go to and explore the different options that are available to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the final part point was, you know, the working remotely and what that's going to do for the job force. And I think about, especially in agriculture, you have a lot of people that want to go back to the farm, the family farm, but maybe they need another side job or something else beforehand. And this is really pushing that they're able to work remote. You don't have to move to a new location necessarily to do sales or to be a part of a company. And I think that's really exciting for people in ag. You know, I know, I know Tremble is kind of moving in this direction Mm -hmm. uh, with more remote work. And so that'll be exciting for, for recent grads here in the coming years as well, I think. Yeah. So with that, Jackson, what was the biggest thing you learned in 2020 or your biggest takeaway? Yeah. So I I guess in light of the pandemic just being something that we were totally uh, unprepared for in some ways (laughs) and just totally were not expecting. Um, And then also having all these different climate related uh, natural disasters, right? Um, We've had to be adaptable and flexible this year more than any other time, uh, probably in our history. Um, And technology really allows us to be adaptable and flexible. It really does, especially some of these, um, you know, internet of things, technologies, uh, remote connectivity, those really allow us to do a lot more work in a lot of different ways than we've ever done them before. Um, And so I think for people who are looking to maintain their profitability, who are uh, wanting to grow and improve, I think investing in technology as a way to become and maintain adaptability and flexibility is critical. Um, Cause I think it's, you know, it's only going to get more challenging in the coming years. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway was like our resiliency of uh, 2020 for farmers and the ag industry. So we did see some companies go out of business. We did see some tough times. I think it was pretty questionable going on there, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, what was it going to mean for this growing season? And yet things kind of worked themselves <laughs> out. And I thought it was amazing how we uh, made it through and how many companies are still investing, how many farmers are still going. Um, I think a lot of farmers had a great year. And I think that's awesome to see after how shaky it was at the beginning. So I love seeing, you know, we always go on to the next season. Yep. And I, and I love the positive note that you ended us on there, Sam, because uh, I think there really is still a lot of good to take out of, of 2020. I think there's probably more good than there is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these changes that are going to happen are going to be really beneficial for a lot of people um, if we allow ourselves to to see that and really invest in the in the benefit. So yeah, challenges are, are what drive innovation. So who knows what cool technologies we'll see a couple of years from now that all started from this year. 
Yep. And starting in 2021, <laughs> we'll get to see exactly what those technologies are going to be. Um, so with that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode and wrap up 2020. And <laughs> our next episode, we will see you in 2021. That's right. Hope you can join us. Thanks for listening. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can also be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits. Farm Bits.